0: Welcome to episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101, the foundations of our Catholic faith. These episodes originally premiered on YouTube. You can find the original video linked in the description to this episode, as well as a discussion guide for your benefit and whoever you might be listening with. A friendly reminder and invitation to please, if you have not yet done so, please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. It's such a great way to get this podcast out there and for you to share it with others. But remember, the highest compliment you could pay this podcast and myself is to share this episode or any episode on social media. And you can do that by simply posting it on your story or tagging us in a post. At ManaFoodForThought is our Instagram handle. At ManaF4T is our Twitter and our Facebook page is just Mana Food for Thought. You can find all of that on our website, manafoodforthought.com, as well as all of our previous content. And if you'd like to become a financial sponsor for as little as $1 a month, you can do that by clicking on the Patreon tab on our website. If you have not yet done so, I really want to invite you to check out our friends at Thrive Coffee. It's coffee with a mission. Their website is drinkthrive.org, and they are a nonprofit craft coffee roaster in Richmond, Virginia. They use coffee to create careers and training opportunities for individuals with disabilities. Uh, They ship nationwide, their beans are locally roasted in small batches, they make blends, and three bags sold pays for one hour of work for their differently abled employees. So go to drinkthrive.org, buy a few bags, and if you use promo code MANA M-A-N-N-A, at checkout, you will get 15% off your first order. With that being said, enjoy the next installment in episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101. Enjoy. This episode contains some mature content regarding sexual morality, so parental discretion is advised. The first homily I can remember hearing was when I was about 10 years old, and it was during the season of Advent, and it's burned in my brain because of something the priest said at the very end. He said, after concluding his thoughts on the readings, I'm very sad to end on this note, but we have a serious problem with adultery in this church. And the atmosphere immediately changed in the church. It felt like we're all holding our breath, waiting for what was going to come next. And then the priest pointed to an undecorated tree next to him and said, yes, this is a dull tree. We all nervously laughed, so relieved because it just turned out that he was trying to get people involved to help decorate the church for Christmas. And I love a good pun, so I never forgot it. But it reminds me now of an interesting story in the Old Testament, which is contained in the book of Hosea. Hosea was a minor prophet, meaning it's just a smaller one of the prophetic books, a prophet during a time of division and war in Israel about 750 years before Jesus lived. And God, he comes and he asks Hosea the prophet to do something that seems very odd. God asks him to marry a woman named Gomer, who was a prostitute. Now, God did this not to be uh, unmerciful to Hosea, but to use Hosea's marriage as an analogy to show the Israelites what their unfaithfulness to God looked like. We all know that when you marry someone, you're supposed to be faithful to them and only them. Even if you're not religious, the vows don't change, right? It's, I promise to love you and be faithful to you in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, in good times and in bad, for as long as we both shall live. Everybody says it and expects it regardless of their religious beliefs. We all kind of understand the sixth commandment. You shall not commit adultery. Adultery is specifically the word used for someone who basically cheats on their spouse. And obviously, as we established in episode 20, we know that married couples need to be faithful to one another. But you may be watching this, and had watched that episode, and thinking, well, I'm not married, so I'm all good. No, no. No one gets off the hook on this commandment. This commandment calls us to faithfulness, whatever our stage or vocation in life. And that includes practicing chastity. In fact, all people, married, single, religious, ordained priest, need to acquire the virtue of chastity. The Catechism says this, Chastity means the successful integration of sexuality within the person, and thus the inner unity of man in his bodily and spiritual being. So that basically means, no matter where we are in life, no matter what our circumstances, we must understand God's plan for sex, sexuality, and marriage, and be faithful to that. That's why the church stands against many things that have to do with sexual morality because they're outside of the natural order God designed us with and outside of his plan for us as revealed through scripture and tradition, many of which we talked about in episode 20 if you wanna go back and listen. But those things are things like divorce, premarital sex, homosexual acts, contraception, in vitro fertilization, masturbation, pornography, uh, incest, sexual abuse of any kind, prostitution, Rape, polygamy, cohabitation, all of those are sins under this commandment. However, I want to be clear that does not mean that the, ch- the church just condemns you and says you're going to hell if you struggle with those things or those sins are part of your reality or happened in your past. That is why we have Jesus. He's our Savior. And so I want you to know that if you're in one of those situations right now, if you struggle with any of those or identify with any of those things, if any of them are in your past or happen- happening to you right now, God loves you. Jesus still died for you. Jesus still desires a relationship with you. It reminds me of the words of Pope John Paul II. He once said, We are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. We are the sum of the Father's love for us. So you're not broken. You're not used. God desires to give you his mercy and his healing, his forgiveness, and to reveal to you his incredible plan for your life, to live a whole and healed life that is fulfilling and beautiful. There is and will always be a place for you in his church and in his heavenly kingdom. Please never forget that. We are all, though, called to chastity to help us get there, to get to heaven. And the virtue of chastity is much more than just not engaging in sexual activity. That's abstinence. But rather, chastity is an act of self-mastery. So being chaste is recognizing that some of our desires are good, and holy and some of our desires are disordered and if we're going to be truly fulfilled in the desires we all share the desires for love belonging truth goodness and beauty we need to say no to the distorted cheaper or easier alternatives to the desires we're really looking for and i'm sure you are aware there are plenty of cheap alternatives out there we live in a hookup culture A culture that's so focused on the body, on surface-level beauty and attractiveness. We hypersexualize everything from actual pornography to something as common as a Carl's Jr. commercial. Every day, everywhere we look, we are sold the lie that we should be able to do whatever feels good or right in that moment, and it will pay off. Next time you watch an advertisement, see how they try and use that type of imagery and language to convince you to buy something or do something, even though it might not be right. The problem is, as we've already learned, the second that thing you want or do is over, you're right back where you started, back wanting more. It never lasts. The only thing that is eternal and fulfilling in an eternal way is God. He is to whom we belong. Heaven is where we belong. But it is a struggle to pursue that and be aware of it every day. This was a struggle in the very beginning. Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden, and it says in Scripture, that the man and wife were both naked, yet they felt no shame. They saw that they had everything they needed from God in their soul, and so their bodies were united in that fulfillment. But when Satan tempts them, and they settle for something temporary, fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Bible then says this, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Their lack of faithfulness allowed for disordered desires, temptation, and sin to enter the world, and it has been our struggle ever since. When we can return to a place of seeking our fulfillment in God alone and trusting that He will provide, we can experience a taste of the Garden of Eden in this life, and then we'll hopefully live forever in the perfection of paradise in heaven. There are some other virtues that can help us in this journey. Um, And those are the fruits of obeying another commandment, the ninth commandment, which is similar. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Again, this has obvious implications for people who are married, but for all of us, this commandment calls us to a purity of body, mind, and soul, and not falling into the sin of lust or fantasizing about others inappropriately for our own pleasure. Because of original sin and the world we live in, We cannot do these things on our own. We need God's grace to help us. This is not new. In fact, St. Augustine, a saint in the Catholic Church, he once wrote this 1,600 years ago in the year 400. I thought that continence, or purity, arose from one's own powers, which I did not recognize in myself. I was foolish enough not to know that no one can be continent or pure and chaste unless you grant it, Lord. For you surely would have granted it If my inner groaning had reached your ears and I with firm faith had cast my cares on you. So, even St. Augustine, a saint, a doctor of the church, realized he couldn't do this on his own. And if he had faith, God would give him what he needed. So, if you need a saint to help you with purity, read about St. Augustine and ask him to pray for you because there's a whole lot more in his life where he struggled with that, but he was able to overcome it. I think one tangible way we can be helped to practice purity and chastity is by practicing the virtue of modesty. A modest person dresses, speaks, and acts in a manner that supports and encourages purity and chastity, and not in a manner that would tempt or encourage sinful behavior from others or for themselves. The Catechism says this, modesty protects the mystery of persons and their love. It encourages patience and moderation in loving relationships. It inspires one's choice of clothing. It keeps silence or reserve where there is evident risk of unhealthy curiosity. It is discreet. And in a world of social media where everyone shares everything, not much is discreet. And we need modesty. But modesty is unfortunately only ever invoked or talked about, usually in regard to women and what they're wearing or not wearing and our clothing choice is important, but modesty is a virtue that both men and women need. If modesty is, as the catechism just said, about encouraging patience and moderation in relationships and reserving our curiosity when things might be too tempting, then I can tell you, as someone who was a teenage boy not too long ago, that we all need modesty, men and women alike, not only in our dress, but especially in our thoughts and in our actions. Being modest is so difficult in a culture that prizes sexual permissiveness. We are bombarded with sexual images and advertisements every day. And there's a lie out there that says you can do whatever you want with your body, show it off and celebrate it however you like, and no one can judge you or hold you accountable for it. That's not real freedom. Freedom is not about doing what we want to do, but what we should do. We celebrate the beauty of our bodies by honoring them, keeping them healthy, protecting them, and only revealing them in intimate ways to those who have promised to be faithful to us forever. The church will always be set apart. It will always have different values than society, forging a different path in many different ways. And that's a good thing, because where you notice these differences, you can be sure that the church will always seek to protect what the world will try and sell and profit from. God is faithful and the church will always remain faithful to him. We too must be faithful to what we are called to and who God has called us to be. So what do you need to be more faithful to in your own life? Where have you been lacking in prayer, your responsibilities to family, school, work, your church, and your community? Where do you need to practice more self-mastery and discipline? After the prophet Hosea was called to marry Gomer and God reprimands Israel, the very last verse in the book of Hosea is this. Who is wise enough to understand these things? Who is intelligent enough to know them? Straight are the paths of the Lord. The just walk in them, but sinners stumble in them. Real freedom is possible. We simply need to stop pursuing what we want to do and following our sinful desires and faithfully doing what we should do, and walking that straight path of the Lord. So what should you do right now, today?